Tú conoces a tu auto mejor que nadie. ¿Y quién mejor que tú para echarle mano cuando lo necesita? ¿No tienes las herramientas? AutoZone te las presta. Se llama Loanatool. Y lo mejor de todo, es gratis. Con Loanatool, AutoZone te presta una gran variedad de herramientas para trabajos de mofle, frenos, motor, aire acondicionado y mucho más. Cuenta con AutoZone para encontrar las herramientas que te hacen falta. En AutoZone te damos lo que necesitas. Restricciones y detalles en la tienda. It's obvious what's being done. It's done on a nightly basis. I hope the world can see what's going on here because it's getting ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. This is ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. That was light, man. I know what their game scheme is every night. They're hyping up their big man over there. He thinks he's a stopper. It's not happening. I brought him back to reality. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Well, um, yeah, what a, uh, what a weird... What a weird day in the NBA. We had multiple overtime games. We had huge performances. We had WWE-style post-game interviews that has a mic cut out halfway through with DeMarcus Cousins. Just, just, just stuff that is literally unbelievable. But it happened. I saw it happen. And uh, we're going to talk about it in today's show. We're going to review all 11 games from Tuesday. We're going to preview the eight games on Wednesday. So let's get to it. To it. That is a ripping idea, Michael. Let's start, of course, with the monstrous line of the night. And it's getting... I, I, I like it. I'm getting, getting to the stage where people are, during the day, they're submitting me. It's got to be this person for monstrous line of the night. It has to be this guy for the dud of the night. Um, it has to be this player for the dud of the night. And people are really getting fired up. I, I, vote, I vote this guy for this award. Today's monstrous line of the night, despite the fact that I did get messages and tweets um, requesting or, or, in fact, calling me a dickhead if I didn't... Uh, Put a certain person as the I call this person out, or tell you who the other the other guy wanted. But it's obviously Demarcus Cousins. He is the monstrous line. And I, to be fair, the uh, dickhead message was sent to me earlier on, so, uh, before Demarcus went ridiculously crazy. Fifty-five points for Boogie. Thirteen rebounds, one assist, one steal, three blocks. He hit five three-pointers. He was seventeen of twenty-eight from the field. He was 16 of 17 from the free throw line, which is obviously great for DeMarcus Cousins. He was ejected once. He was unejected once. Not much more you can really say about this whole Cousins performance. It was monstrous. It was huge. It was ludicrous. Um, he spat. There's no way he didn't spit that mouth guard at the Portland bench, which is what he received a second technical for. And then he got ejected. And then the refs changed their mind and said, no, the mouth guard flew out of his mouth accidentally, and they had to go retrieve him from the locker room to bring him back in. Just one of the... I don't even know. I don't even understand. I can't believe they retracted him and brought him back into the game. It was the weirdest thing I have really seen in, in a very long time. And then and then the post-game interview. I don't give away who gives the quote at the start of the show. You know who it was. It was Boogie. It was the stupidest thing I've ever heard from a, a guy, but it, it's so honest, and I just love that he's just calling out Mason Plumley. Man, you, you think you're good. I'm putting you back in your place. Ridiculous. 
ridiculous. It's clearly the word of the day. Cousins dropped it about 25 times in, in two minutes before they uh, cut his mic. I would love to know what he said in that last 10 seconds after, <laughs> after they cut the mic out. Boogie is a top six player. Well, he's not a top six player. He is the sixth ranked player over the last two weeks, averaging 30 and 11. But three and a half assists, 1.73 is a steal, two blocks on 47 and 82. And this is what I've talked about with his free throw percentage before. People, I don't want to own him. He's going to kill my percentages. Like the, the guy can shoot free throws, just sometimes it doesn't go right. At the moment, he's at 77% for the year on 9.7 attempts and 82 on 8.6 in the last two weeks. That goes from being a negative to being an absolutely monstrous positive. In fact, over the last three games, he's at 89% on 12 attempts a game. And we're talking about a Z score of three, which is crazy. It, it's so big. He takes so many attempts, so it's a, such a fine balance. If he's at 75, it kills you. If he's at 85, it's, it's, it's Harden-esque. And let's hope that we get this last two weeks of Boogie where he has been at 47 and 82 instead of 46 and 77. It is a significant difference, and it boosts his value from being the 12th-ranked player to the 6th-ranked player. And it obviously increases his scoring as well. He has been, his last three games, he's averaging 37 and 9 on 50 and 89, and, of course, 41% from three. I'm a massive Boogie Cousins fan from a fantasy point of view. He has some questionable, um, questionable, um, what's the best way of putting it? Uh, behavioral issues, but I, as someone who watches the game, reports on the game, he's always entertaining. There's always something happening with Demarcus Cousins, and he did it again today. The waiver wire line of the night. We're heading to Miami to talk about Tyler Johnson, who was uh, who honestly has been ridiculous all season. How good would the Nets be if he he was sitting on that team at the moment? Thirty-two points for Johnson. Five, well, they wouldn't be good. I mean, how good would their future look? That's that's uh, the phrase I should be looking at. 32-5-3 for Tyler. It was a career high. He hit three triples. He had three steals, and he was an efficient 13 of 20 from the line as well. Tyler Johnson is a top 90 player this season. He is just outside the top 50 over the last two weeks. The only player that the Heat are missing at the moment is Dion Waiters. Unfortunately, Waiters plays a similar position to Johnson, so he could cut into his playing time, but... It's almost without doubt that Johnson's 34 minutes over the last seven games will come down. Will it come to 28 or will it come down to 30 or 31? The way that he is playing and the amount that the Heat rely upon him, I, I can't see that Waiters is going to completely reduce his minutes down to, to 27 or so. I think he's going to be around that 30 and he, ha he has to be owned. And he's owned in a very small percentage of leagues. You've got to own Johnson. Yeah, Waiters will be back, but Johnson's better than him. Joshy Richardson is better than him, and they're more of the future of this Heat team. And when they're playing at an equal level, and one guys are the some guys are the future, and one guy isn't, you go with the future guy, and that's that's what we're looking at with Johnson here. Yeah, his shooting has been you know, good, really good over the last two weeks. And you go, okay, a point guard at forty six percent, how sustainable is that? Well, he shot forty nine percent last year, so it's actually unders. So he could get better. It's not a fluke that he's shooting so well. He was a thirty nine percent three. Three-point shooter last year. He was 38% in his rookie year. He's at 37 this year. So, again, room to grow. His true shooting's just at 53. He was at 58 last year. Room to grow. Plus, he's doing things better defensively. Plus, he's facilitating um, better, getting getting more assists this year on a per-36 basis as well, and getting more steals. So, really been an impressive season from Tyler Johnson, and he should be owned in pretty much every league. Of course, the Locked On Heat podcast is one of the best podcasts on the Locked On Network. Wes Goldberg and David Ramil 
have been podcasting for a while. They're formerly known as the Heat Check Podcast. Now it's Locked On Heat, and they have everything that you want to know about the Miami Heat. Of course, with the Locked On Podcast Network, there is a podcast for your team every day. So you want to hear more Tyler Johnson talk. You want to hear some Scooter Magruder references, even though he was out today. Locked On Heat's where you want to go, but you can go anywhere. I recommend listening to Locked On Kings with Jason Ross to hear his uh, breakdown of uh, DeMarcus Cousins' potential on-court breakdown. That'd be another great one to listen to. We had David Aldridge was on, uh, you know, David Aldridge from TNT. He was uh, he on T- TNT or NBA TV? I forget where he is now. Anyway, you know David Aldridge. I think NBA TV. He was, um, he's uh, on Locked On Wizards with Ben Standing, so listen to that podcast. And David Locke released Locked On NBA today with a long interview with Quinn Snyder, so I'd get, uh, recommend you check out that. And listen to whatever podcast tickles your fancy across the Locked On Podcast Network. The young gun of the night, this bloke, Josh, um, Josh and Bazza. How many uh, young guns has Miles Turner, Miles Turner got? Has to be has to be at least five. I'd guess six, including today. Twenty-one points for Turner. Nine boards, two triples, one assist, one steal, four blocks, six of fourteen from the field, seven of eight from the line. What can't this bloke do? He is a top twenty player over the last two weeks. He's twenty-fifth on the season, and if he finishes in the top twenty, it is not going to be a surprise. In these last two weeks, he's at eighteen and seven, so he's got scope to actually improve his rebounding. Three blocks, 0.6 steals, 1.3 triples, 55, 83, and 52 are his slash. Is his slash line? It. I was going to say it doesn't get much better, but it can get better. That's the thing. He could average 20. He could average 10. He could average three blocks. He could average one and a half threes. He could do it on 55, 80, 35. I don't think he'll shoot 52 from three, but he could do all this. And he has got almost the prototypical current day fantasy big man game or not or real life big man game they need to feed him um I, I don't like it when they limit him and hopefully monte ellis goes back to being passive monte ellis when he returns but they need to give him the ball because you know, when turner gets it it's efficient scoring and that's what he does a, a, a lot so this is uh this is pretty interesting from miles turner really turning in a, a monster season and i don't think he's, he's doing it in 29 minutes a game as well so he can uh he can get better and that's i don't know if it's a scary thing but it's a it's a very promising thing is probably the uh the best way of phrasing it so he is once again the young gun of the night and yeah surely he is leading the young guns but Porzingis, uh, towns all those guys will be in the conversation josh and uh josh and Baza can uh, can get back to me when they hear this podcast and let me know where we're sitting with that all right the dud of the night Rod Hood, zero points for Rod, two rebounds, one assist, 0 of 5 from the field because he had, quote, gastric distress. So, in other words, shitting his pants. Straightforward, had the runs, he had the shits. That's it. It didn't help us if you if you use him in DFS or if you've got him in your team. That doesn't help us. But unless he's suffering from amoebic dysentery, he's not going to miss any time, really. He might miss tomorrow's game because it is a back-to-back. So if his uh, gastric tract hasn't isn't under undue distress, he'll be ready to go. Otherwise, he's not missing much time with this. It'll be one game at most, again, unless he's got some sort of you know, colitis problem that's going to flare up, which is nothing we've heard, heard about. So, Rod, Godspeed to your uh, gastric system. Hope it's all ready to go, but you are the dart of the night. But let's talk. Let's just talk a bit about what Rod's done this season. He's been 
impressive at times, and he's been disappointing at other times. In fact, he's taken somewhat of a step back this year, and some of that's to do with just nagging injuries. The hamstring has limited him, and he's playing two less minutes a game this year. He's scoring more points, but what he's doing is his his other numbers haven't been the same. His assist numbers have dipped, and some of that's George Hill's a lot of that's George Hill's presence, um, and his free throws have dipped by ten percent. So we get the free throws back up. We get the minutes back up to 32, and I think we see somewhat of a resurrection from Rod. So you can look at it and go, man, 125, he was 98 last year, that's shit. Yeah, look, it's disappointing. But the two minutes go up, he gets back to 32 that he played last year, which I think he should be able to do. He gets the assist numbers, maybe they don't necessarily come back up, but he's shooting the ball better from the field, he's shooting the same from three, and it's a 10% dip in his free throws, and that's a, a significant dip. We're talking about you know, 0.65 in Z score numbers that's that's dropping down there. And that's that takes him from being the guy that's that's ranked 120th to the guy that's 100th. Yeah, and then the extra two minutes come on top of that. Maybe instead of scoring 15 points, he scores 16.5 points, and he goes up from there. If he's dropped in my league, and people will drop him, no doubt people will drop him because they'll look at him and go, he's been disappointing. I don't think he's been that disappointing. I will grab him immediately and let's just see where it uh, where it takes us because I think that once we get over the pants shitting, we get over the hamstring issues, then we're going to see a pretty uh, a pretty rock solid rod for the uh, for the rest of the season. So let's uh, let's hope it goes well for him and let's hope that those numbers do start to bounce back because yeah, they've been marginally disappointing. That's probably the fairest way for me to say that. Let's go into these eleven games now. Break them down in a little bit of extra detail. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. The first game we'll take a look at is the new... And this, man, this these games, when there's 11 games on, the early games just feel like they were so long ago. New Orleans and Philadelphia was the first game. And I'm, I'm recording this, you know, 20 minutes after the last game ends. So it hasn't been that long ago. Maybe I'm just getting old. The Pelicans and the Sixers. Interestingly, Langston Galloway, a DNP CD in this game, and it was a game where Tyreek Evans was resting as well. So it wasn't a total guard crunch, just they didn't play him at all. So that enabled Timmy Frazier to get some more minutes. 10, 4, and 6 for Fraze in 27 minutes with two triples and a steal and continues to produce despite not getting big minutes. Really tough to not own him. You have to feel that a squeeze is coming, whether that's from Tyreek, your Drew... Buddy Heel demanding more minutes, whatever it is. You just feel like there's some sort of squeeze coming for Tim, but he keeps playing through it and he keeps putting up the numbers. So you can't get six assists anywhere else. So Frazier is a, is an ownable, has to be owned. Etwan Moore got red hot. He had 15 points on just seven shots, but only the 18 minutes you leave him for the deeper leagues. While Tony Davis started off horribly, to be honest, two of 10 in the uh, early goings. 31 and 16 he finished with, with two blocks on a pretty disappointing 10 of 30 night, as well as just 7 of 10 from the free throw line, but but sort of got his value back after a poor start. Solly Hill was back after missing two games due to paternity leave. He was back in his uh, rousing best two points in 33 minutes, while Bud had 10 points in 21 minutes. He is getting better with his shooting healed. He's shooting at a much higher rate, hit both of his three, so I believe he's at 50% from three in December. 
and that's great, but he just doesn't contribute in enough areas. He is a three-point streaming specialist type of guy, and there's likely to be other better three-point specialists out there on the wire that will work better in your favor than using Bud in a 12-team league. Terence Jones played 30 minutes with Alexia Zinsa playing just 12, 17 and 10 for Jonesy, while Zinsa was 0 and 7. Um, working out Alvin Gentry's big man rotation is always confusing. Now, Joel Embiid was giving some uh, some issues to Terence Jones, but he still got 30 minutes. But they brought Omar Ashik in for his first play in about five or six games. 16 minutes for Ashik, two points with six boards and a block. It goes without saying that you don't want anything to do with Ashik, whereas Zinsa... The minutes, if the minutes come, then he's valuable. That we just don't, we have no ability to rely upon that, which is going to be the uh, the theme of today, I reckon. For the Sixers, they didn't split the minutes at point guard. It was thirty to Spanish Chocolate, who had nine points, two triples, and three assists. But TJ McConnell still outproduced ten points in seventeen minutes for TJ, five assists and three steals. And while seventeen minutes isn't encouraging, the stat lines are, and he's. He's sort of pushing for 12-team consideration. I wouldn't say he's there yet. I wouldn't say he's a guy to add in 12-team leagues, but he, but he is pushing for it. Ersan Ilyasova, there's no issues with his value at the moment where we thought there could be. 14-4 and four with two triples in 26 for Ersan. And Embiid struggled with foul trouble here. 25 minutes, 11-6 and six with a steal and a block. Clearly wasn't his best night. Jill Okafor hit some shots, which is a, a novel idea. 11-7 and seven for Okafor. With two blocks, and we actually had a Nerlens Noel sighting. Four and three in seven minutes for Noel. The crowd went crazy when he got into the game. It was basically because they were getting smashed, and Brown got him out there and to see what he can do. But I wouldn't necessarily think it's going to mean that he is uh, back in the rotation on a nightly basis. Sharich had two points in 16 minutes. 42% of people still own him. I don't think there's 42% of keeper leagues. I don't think there's 42% of leagues that are deeper than 16 teams either. So some people are holding on to him unnecessarily. Please, no, don't. Bob Cub, 34 minutes, 11, 8, and 2, two triples, two blocks. 65% is extraordinarily too low for Robert Covington, so he needs to be owned in more leagues than that. Let's talk the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Charlotte Hornets, the Lakers had a 73-point first half and backed that up with a 40-point second half. Some curious coaching to me down the stretch from Luke Walton. The team was floundering, and D'Angelo Russell sat on the bench. They ran with no point guard, unless you count Jordan Clarkson and Lou Williams, which I guess you sort of can, but I would have liked to see when the team couldn't execute anything offensively to put D'Angelo Russell in in a close game situation, but he didn't elect to. Now, Russell still had a good line, 26 minutes, 15-5-5 with two blocks, but I just want him to say, D'Angelo, go out there, play 32, just ball out. Because we we are fairly confident he can do it. It was still a really good line, but just the ceiling is continually just... It's like Luke Walton's just got his hand on his head, and it's just keeping him from going... Oh, you know in those cartoons when a little person tries to attack a bigger person, the big person puts their hand out, and the, and the little person tries to run and punch and... The legs are going nowhere. That's what it feels like Walton's doing with Russell. He's doing everything he can, but he's just got this hand on his head, just preventing him from totally reaching his total his fantasy ceiling. Jordy Clarkson had a red hot night, twenty five three and five with a steal and a block, and seven triples. He went uh, seven of nine from three. I had someone tweet at me today saying, "Oh yeah, how come how come we didn't? He's killing me. How come we didn't have him?" Because he's been terrible before this. Like You can't predict that a guy's going to come out and have a career night when they've been pretty putrid for majority of the season. Now, he has been trending up with Russell back in the lineup, absolutely. And in a standard league, you have to own Jordan Clarkson because he is playing much better with Russell back in the lineup. 
But he's had nights where he's got 18 minutes, 19 minutes. Now, he played 31 here and had 25 and was ridiculous shooting. And it likely won't happen again, but he is trending in the right direction. Louis Williams, 16 and 8. That's 8 assists with 2 steals and a block. A nice night from Lou while another Lou, Lou Deng, played 34 minutes and had 11 and 7 with 3 blocks. This is a consistent theme for Deng now. I think we lock it in of 30, 30 minutes a game around that mark. And production that is back-end 12-team valuable. Now, his upside is really limited, so that doesn't make him an ideal candidate at this point of the season for a 12-team league, but he has to be owned in every 14-team league, and in some 12s, if if the waiver wire is barren and you've just got someone who's not doing anything, then Deng's just going to give you these solid numbers. Again, without the upside, but, but solid numbers. Julius Randle had five blocks, and he was very Julius randle in the other areas. Eight, six, and four. It was 4 of 12 from the field and then added the 5 blocks. So it was a very weird, it was a, it was a poor and good night at the same time. Brandon Ingram back to the bench, 28 minutes, 4, 4, and 3. Not much to see there. It's going to be a while. Again, February is where we're looking at standard league value, maybe. And it's not even a guarantee. Um, Tim Mozgov, 0 points in 11 minutes. That's a cool story. The story, I guess, from the Lakers is Larry Nance. Suffered a knee injury. Um, it just doesn't look good. To me, they said the x-rays were clear, but that means he didn't break anything. He's having an MRI on Wednesday to see what the uh, actual extent of the injury is, but the discussion with Luke Walton after the game, Walton is expecting him to miss time. So you would have to, or I will go with that and say that he is is going to miss time, whether that's a day, whether that's a week, whether that's a month, whether that's a season, we don't know at this point, but he was—he uh, couldn't put any weight on the leg. It was not ideal. You would have to imagine that we're talking a time frame of at least weeks for Nance here, given the way that Walton spoke post-game. Swaggy P had 24 points in 27 minutes and hit five triples. Super efficiency, and this is what he is. He's JJ Redick, basically. Points, threes, decent efficiency, much improved. And that has borderline 12-team league value. Not borderline. I think it has 12-team league value, but you know we know what he is. You're not getting anything in the other categories, really. For the Hornets, both Nick Batum and Kemba Walker had 10 assists apiece, 23 points, including a game winner for Batum, while Walker had 28, 8, and 10 with four triples, a nice return to form there. And speaking of returns to form, Marvin Williams, the shot is falling again. Now, the blocks aren't there, which takes him from being a top 100 player to a top 70 player. But he hit 6 of 10, he had 15, 5, and 2, and he's hitting them at a higher rate now. Now, we knew he wasn't going to continue at 35%, so that was you know, a turnaround that, that had to come. Now now it is coming. He still has value in 12-team leagues, but he's not going to uh, he's not going to you know, blow you away and be the same guy as last year, because just the defensive stuff just isn't happening. Cody Zeller had uh, only 25 minutes for Zeller, but still produced 11 and 5, 2 assists, and two steals, while Marco Bellinelli got his 33 off the bench, going for 13 with three triples. Bellinelli, a really nice three-point specialist. And this this season really highlights why drafting exclusively for threes early on is not a great idea. Bellinelli, Young, these guys that are just on waiver-wise, you can just, hey, I need three threes. Who's going to give it to me? Or maybe Bellinelli. Now, there's always trade-offs. Hey, these other guys give me steals, rebounds, assists, high efficiency, differences like that. But if it's just threes you want, you can just find them. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist played 30 minutes for the first time since the 2nd of December, I believe. Six points with 11 rebounds. No reason to hold Kidd-Gilchrist in 12-team leagues. And even in 14-team leagues, it's a really tough sell for me at the moment. 
let's talk the next game, which is the Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors. I talked a lot about Rondo Hollis-Jefferson yesterday, saying in the DFS portion, saying that he's getting a point per minute and he's playing really well in 18 minutes a night, and it's pissing me off because I just want him to go for 27 minutes and put up big numbers. Well, he got an increase in minutes. He played 20 and a huge increase in production, 19-6-3 and a triple one for Hollis-Jefferson. He is putting up very good numbers. He's putting up really good on-court play. Now, is it going to result in a 27-minute role? Because that's what he's going to need to be a 12-team league guy, I think. If you are looking at the trends, which is, which is always a good idea, looking at the trends of his production and the minutes and, and how it's going, you might want to make a, a grab, a, a, a... What's the word I'm looking for? A preemptive, that's the word. You might want to make a preemptive grab of Hollis Jefferson, but I don't think he's that high a priority target. But... He is trending back up, you know, closer to what we sort of expected from him at the start of the year. Only 20 minutes for Trevor Booker. Now this game was uh, was a blowout, but his um, his numbers have trended down definitely. But uh, Kenny Atkinson d- did spread the playing time out amongst the whole group. 11, 5, and 2 for Booker. While Jezza Lynn back in the starting lineup went 12, 2, and 4. A steal, a block, two triples. You love that, and let's let's get him back to 30 minutes. Spencer Dinwiddie played 22 with. Isaiah Whitehead out with foot soreness, 14-4 and four with a block for Dinwiddie. I think that Dinwiddie is a really quality, uh, or he's an NBA backup level quality point guard, and he should be having this role, and I think he should be able to maintain a role ahead of Isaiah Whitehead moving forward. There was no Brookie Lopez, uh, so of course, Luis Scola got the start. For what reason? I've got no idea. 9-5 and five in 18 minutes for Scola, but that wasn't the story. The story to me is Anthony Bennett who played 21 off the bench, had 8 and 10, had a triple one himself. Now, I mentioned him as a real sneaky DFS guy yesterday. A couple of blokes listening to to me uh, threw him into their lineups, and you were pretty handsomely rewarded. Justin Holiday, No, not Holiday, Hamilton. That's the guy. 23 minutes for Hamilton, 5, 11, and 4 with a block. So not a great offensive night, but the numbers were there replacing Brook. Now, obviously, with Brook back for the next game, Bennett and Hamilton's use goes way down, but I was really impressed with what I saw from from Anthony Bennett. Only the 19 minutes for Boyan. He had five points in that playing time. He is not a 12-team league guy, in my opinion. The Raptors, Patrick Patterson was a very late scratch for resting purposes. So, interesting, what were they going to do? Because, who's their other power forward? Pascal Siakam, what, are they going to give him 48 minutes? No, they could either go small or go big. Initially, they went big and played Bebe and Jonas Valanciunas together. That didn't last all that long, and then they went small. So what did that mean? That meant that my boy, Norm Powell, got extra run. 27 minutes for Norm. And guess what? Oh, this will shock you. He was good. 21 minutes, uh, 27 minutes, 21 points. 1-3, three, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 5 steals. Efficient shooting. He's good. You know, he's not only good, he's very good. And I, I, I continue to be frustrated by the fact that he just can't find a regular role. He is an awesome dynasty target because he will be... A consistent player at some point. Not that he's not consistent. He'll get a consistent role at some point in the near future. A big night from him. Bebe had four blocks in his 22 minutes, six and six, while Valanciunas only needed the 22 minutes to get a 10 and 14 double-double. Really took advantage of the Nets in this one. Pascal Siakam did get the extra run. He played 28, had nine and three with two blocks. But he is the, uh, the, the prototypical rookie power forward placeholder starter. Him, Marquise Chris, Noah Vonley, these guys who just form a club. Hey, we play 18 minutes a night as a starter, but do nothing. Cool. That's that's sort of where they are 
in their career at the moment. But still impressive that he he does so much hustle and defense wise. Siakam, Demar Rosen, not not a great night, and by that I mean terrible. Fifteen points only on twenty shots, one rebound, two assist, one steal. Just a horrible, horrible night. While Kyle Lowry was great again. Just there is no way he can shoot like this. I know I keep saying that, but there is no way. And he's going to go a stretch where he shoots 30%. 23-4-8, steals, one block, three triples. And the three triples came on just five shots. He had a true shooting of 81%. Ridiculous numbers. Damari Carroll even got into it. 17 points in 22 minutes for Carroll with three triples and two steals. He's still no Norm Powell, though. Let's move on to the next game, which is the Indiana Pacers and the New York Knicks. Let's start with the Pacers. Thad Young... 17 shots for Thad, led the team. That won't happen too often this year, but he has really turned it around the last couple of weeks. Another two steals, which is what he's averaging over his last four or five contests. 21-7, and seven, two triples, one assist. Um, yeah, really starting to get things going at the moment, especially without Monte Ellis. They're moving him from, say, the the fifth option to the fourth option because Glenn Robinson the third is basically a statue in the starting lineup. Three points for Robinson in 33 minutes. Jeffy Teague, 17-7-12. and 12 while Paul George continues just to be somewhat of a disappointment, I think that's fair to say. 16-5-3 with two steals, and it took him 16 shots to get there. And as I have referenced millions of times, the Paul George you get in November is not the Paul George you get in the other months, and his November wasn't sparkling. So let's see what happens for the rest of the year. But um, he consistently downtrends throughout the year. Al Jefferson dropped 18 points in 11 shots in 16 minutes, and people might be tempted to go, oh, Al Jefferson, man, he's so good, he's you know, he's scoring. He is, he's upped his average, and he's averaging double figures over the last two weeks. That still puts him ranked outside the top 210. So you look at him in very, very deep leagues, and the fact that he's owned in 25% of leagues makes me think he's owned in uh, a few that he probably shouldn't be at this point in his uh, in his current career. For the Knicks, Mallow was ridiculous. He torched Paul George, 35, 4, and 4, two steals and seven triples for Mallow. While, uh, while Porzingis, Porzingis, 21 and 8, four triples, three blocks. He's Him and Miles Turner are just having a who can hit the most threes and blocks together because it's a, it's a combination that we never really saw five, ten years ago, and now it's happening with these guys on a, on a regular basis. They combined those two guys for six triples in this game and seven blocks. For for guys who are seven foot plus, it's a it's it's pretty ridiculous if you told someone that five years ago that two second year centers dueling with each other would do that. That's that's where we at. They both scored twenty one points as well and had eight and nine rebounds. Derek Rose was back twenty four four and six for Rose. The two blocks icing on the cake. Six assists. You take that as well, and you take fifty percent shooting on eighteen attempts. Still in a Derek Rose special. No steals, no threes, but he is uh he's been passable. Um, he's been okay for fantasy, but his ceiling is just so capped by those lack of other numbers. I make jokes about the uh, Nick center rotation, that once we get one backup center playing two good games in a row, they will get eliminated from the rotation, but it's not a joke. It's, it's not actually a joke, because that is what Jeff Hornacek does every time. Two big Billy Hernan Gomez games in a row, so that means we have to have 30 minutes of Joe Kim Noah, 17 minutes of Kylo Quinn, and two minutes of Hernan Gomez. This is what happened to O'Quinn, where he had a run of 24, 25 minutes a night. Oh, then now we'll play you six. This is just what Hornacek does. Whatever the reason is, I've got no idea. You're playing well. You're getting some momentum. You better stop that momentum now and just sit down. I still think O'Quinn is the better player. I still think that O'Quinn... I know that O'Quinn's the better fantasy player. But the baffling inconsistency 
and the baffling the baffling words from Hornacek about the fact that he doesn't see Porzingis as a center resort at all. Like not 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 now ever, which is just ridiculous to me to to think that. But his take on the center position obviously differs a little bit to mine. As for Noah, he played thirty minutes. That that'll probably be his next thirty minute performance. Will come in about three to four weeks. Eleven and eleven for Noah with two blocks. Don't get sucked in and don't think that that means that he needs. To be owned, Brandon Jennings went back to the bench. He only had five points, but three boards, six assists, and one steal is why he still retains some 12-team value just from getting these five, six assists a night. Courtney Lee turned in a Courtney Lee special. 37 minutes for seven points did his best. Glenn Robinson, the third impression. Let's go on to the next game, which is the uh, one of the, the start of the overtime run. Double OT in Orlando, or not in Orlando, at in Miami, for Orlando at Miami, I'll get my words correct soon. So lots of inflated performances. In fact, four Magic players scored over 20 points. Serge Ibaka, 29 and 2, four triples a steal and a block. Vucevic, 20 and 12 in 40 minutes with two blocks. I'll continue to say it. He's their best center by a considerable margin. Evan Fournier, 44 minutes, 26, 5 and 4 with three triples. And Fournier did it on 11 of 22 shooting. So huge nights from those guys. I don't think you would expect that Alfred Payton would be in that group, but he had 22 points in 36 minutes. But by now, he's just turning in these random big games, and you sort of go, oh, okay, probably have seven in the next game, but yeah, we've seen Alfred do this three, four times this year. 22-2-6, and six, a steal and a block, and impressively, he was 8-13 of 13 from the field. Yes, he's coming off the bench, but to me, it, it is it is clear that Ibaka, Payton, Vucevic, Fournier are the best four players on this team, um, and you know, Vucevic and Payton generally considered can get more minutes than Bismack Biombo and uh, DJ Augustine. Now, Augustine played just the 26 here, went seven points with six assists, while Bismack played 31 minutes and had six and nine with a block. The small forward, whatever that is, I don't know if it's a battle, it's something. Aaron Gordon, 28 minutes, 12 and five, while Jeffy Green played 32 minutes for 14 points with a steal. Now, Gordon is trending up. He's still not cracking the top 150, but we know his potential is there. It's just how how is he going to realize it? How is Frank Vogel going to say, will Frank Vogel ever say, you know, we probably shouldn't be playing Jeff Green? Big minutes. I don't think that Vogel's really in that frame of mind at the moment. So that's going to limit what Gordon can do. But I do, of course, I like his upside. On the Heat side, we had two blokes score 32 points. The aforementioned Tyler Johnson and Hassan Whiteside, who dropped a 32-15 with a steal and five blocks, as well as a monster 14 of 22 from the field, which is just a huge, huge bump for your field goal percentage. A big, big night from Whiteside, really torched them inside. And um, it's clear on this team, again, who the best five guys are. It's Whiteside, it's Tyler Johnson. And then we've got Goran Dragic, who went 19-4-5 with three triples. We've got Justice Winslow, who had 13-5-2 in 46 minutes. And we've got Joshy Richardson, who, again, struggled with his shot, but played 44 minutes, 9-4-6, which is a career high, with two triples for Richardson. Now, Richardson had um, 2 of 12 shooting. Winslow went 6 of 17. And uh, thank you to Simon Smith for the stat today that Winslow shot 6 of 17 today and actually increased his season's field goal percentage, which is just baffling how bad he's been, and Dragic was 6 of 17 as well. So some poor nights there. Winslow, that's huge minutes. Obviously, he's back in business now. Richardson, you love the ball handling, but I'm just really concerned 
about the shooting. It's not going to be this bad, but it's also not going to be as good as what it was last season. He does have the potential to be a top 100 guy, but I I find it hard to label him as an absolute lock, must-own sort of a guy. I would rather Tyler Johnson over him at this point, and I would rather Johnson over Justice Winslow as well. Jimmy Johnson played extended minutes. Now, whenever he gets extended minutes, generally good production has come in Miami. 18, no, 12, 8, and 6 with two triples. But the last two games, he'd been in the low 20s of minutes, which made him a hard 12-team league guy. I think the extra eight minutes here... Um, a little bit fluky, so I wouldn't be relying upon him necessarily to uh, to get this run moving forward, although I think it's in their best interest. Now, this was a game without Wayne Ellington and Scooter Magruder, so with those guys back in and waiters, it's going to be hard to rely upon Jimmy Johnson moving forward, but he does have a really nice fantasy game. Cleveland and Milwaukee. LeBronald, 34, 12, and 7. Five triples for LeBron, a steal and a block. Kyrie had 28, 5, and 5 with three triples. They both played over 45 minutes. That's not where the similarities ended, though, between LeBron and Kyrie, because they both got put on a poster by Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, that is a sentence. Yes, that is real. Yes, that did happen. And legit, the the dunk that Brogdon put on LeBron, it's in the conversation for the dunk of the year. I, I didn't understand that Brogdon could do that. You know, take him off the dribble, come around, reverse in his face. That's, uh, yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty crazy stuff. But big nights from LeBron and Kyrie without Kevin Love there. And Tristan Thompson grabbed some extra boards as well, 10 and 12, with a steal and a block. J.R. Smith suffered a thumb injury. The Cavs are fearing it's a broken thumb. That's going to cost him four to six weeks, if that is in fact what it is, I would imagine. And that means they're going to likely go with DeAndre Liggins, who played 20 minutes and started the second half, and some extra minutes for Iman Shumpert, who played 33 minutes here. Do any of them become ads? No, not in 12s, not in 14s. You know, maybe, you know, Shumpert, you look at it in a 14. I reckon you'd look at Liggins as a steel specialist and more a 16-team league sort of guy. Now, Dick Jefferson, he started in place of Lovey. 8-2 in 35 for Jeff. He is not the uh, same player that he was last season. It doesn't appear to be anyway. For the Bucks, Yanni, 25-13, and 13, two triples, two steals, three blocks, just missed the Richie Benno. Um, not a great efficiency night, but still, it's a pretty good performance. Well, Jabari Parker had 30 points in his 46 minutes, by the way, another overtime game. 30 and 9 for Jabari with three assists here and 13 of 25 from the field. He would have been much happier if he didn't go four of seven from the line, but otherwise, a good night from uh, from Jabari. Matty Dellavedova played 39 minutes, had eight points, he had two triples, he had three rebounds, five assists, and a steal, and just steals, threes, assists, he keeps getting it done and keeps just hanging around the back end of 12 team leagues. The scoring is not there and it's not going to be there. It's those other numbers that are interesting. Malcolm Brogdon's very interesting to me because he's really good. 6-1-5 and five for Brogdon in 19 minutes with a steal. I would just want them to give him more minutes. He needs to be playing ahead of Tony Snell, in my opinion. He's the perfect Chris Middleton replacement. I've said it a million times. I know that in case there's new listeners. And he plays at the one as well. He just does everything impressively. And if for some reason we see him in a 25-plus minute role, then in a 12-team league, then you've got to look at him. Now, Tone Snell wasn't horrible. He played 41 minutes. That's probably the most disgusting part of his stat line. Eight points, six rebounds, four assists, two blocks, and two triples. So a nice line from Snell, but I'd be leaving him for very, very deep leagues. Johnny Henson went 14-8 and eight in 27 minutes. Two steals, one block and a trend up after in probably two weeks of some disappointing performances from Henson. We can never trust him, nor we can trust Jason Kidd. 
So for now, we just hang on and see where it takes us. Well, Griggy Munro, not a great night from Munro. Six and four in 18 minutes, and they went with Giannis at center for stretches of this game. Jason Terry was an impressive minus 12 in his 12 minutes. Also, not sure why he is playing any minutes in the NBA at all at this moment. There was no Mick Beasley. He was out with that foot issue, so Mirza Toledovic got some extra run but didn't uh, really take full advantage of it. The next game was the San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets. No overtime, but very well. Could have been the Spurs get the uh, lucky, I guess is the best way of putting it. Lucky two-point victory. A weird Kawhi Leonard night. We look at it and go, okay, 21, 5, and 4 with 5 steals. That's that's Kawhi. 7 turnovers. That's not. 5 of 14 from the field. That's not as well. He made up for it, I guess, by going 11 of 13 from the, from the line and getting those 5 steals. But a weird Kawhi line. Now, this is prototypical Danny Green, though. 34 minutes for Greeny. 12-3-2, but it's the four triples, the two steals, the one block that made him such a fantasy stud without people really realizing it a couple of years ago. He also played 34 minutes when he'd been on about 22 for most of the games moving forward. Does this give me hope? Sure. Does it make me want to grab him? No, because he just hasn't been doing it enough, and the minutes haven't been there, and the consistency hasn't been there. We know what he can do. I'm just not interested at this point. Pau Gasol, a double-double in 26 minutes, 10-10 and with two blocks, while Aldridge also double-doubled, 17, 10, and 5. He just feels like he's never getting quite back to that level that we saw to end last year, but he should be better than the way he started this year. Uh, Tone Parker, 8, 2, and 1. Not a great Tone Parker night, while Manu had 12 points all coming from 3, and Paddy Mills hit 3 of his own triples in 24 minutes. Yeah, Mills has cooled off as a 12-team league guy, in my opinion, and Parker is more your 14-16-team to 16 team league sort of bloke. There was two situations we really wanted to monitor heading into today's games, and one of those was the Rockets. What do they do without Clint Capella? Now, I spoke about it for a fair chunk of time yesterday, saying I think the minutes are going to be spread out. You're going to get some to Montrez Harrell, some to Nene, some to Ryan Anderson gets extra, Patrick Beverly gets extra, Eric Gordon gets extra, Trevor Ariza gets extra, Sammy Decker gets extra, and that's exactly what happened. They ran a lot of Ryan Anderson at center. He played 37 minutes and went 7-6-2. Nene started and played exactly the same as what he would off the bench. 18 minutes for Nene, 10-7-2. Montrez Harrell got 22 off the bench, 9-5-2 with a steal. And this is how it's going to sit, and it makes the look, Nene, there's no 12-team use there. Harrell, mm, probably not. This is what they'll do more, more of. They'll go with guys like Decker at the 4, like Ariza at the 4, and, and use their better players. And that's a, a theory that I get behind 100%. Get your best five blokes out there and play them the majority of the minutes and figure it out. And with Capella out, I think Decker moves into that category or into that conversation, or he moves into the top six players in that conversation. And your best five is Beverly Gordon, Harden, Ariza Anderson. That's your best five. Play them the bulk of the minutes. And that's exactly what happened. Jimmy Harden went 31, 10, and 7. Trev Ariza went 16, 2 and, 16 6, and 2. Four steals, three triples, and a block. Pat Bev, 4, 8, and 1. And Gordon had 13, 1, and 4 with two blocks and only hit one triple. So a, a drop-off there and shot just one of eight from three. So obviously the shooting attempts are not coming down from uh, from Eric. Ryan Anderson, he played the minutes. He was disappointing, though, in them. 7 and 6 in 37. So overall, when we look at it, it's sort of, I guess, as I predicted, which is always good when that comes out from my point of view anyway, to, that I sort of guessed it right, that they're not, you know, none of these guys are going to jump into being absolute must-own type of blokes. 10-7 and 7 for, for Sammy Decker in 21 minutes with a steal and a block is nice. That's 14-team usable. Montrez Harrell's 9-5 and 5 is 14 teams. 
Nene's 10 and 7 is 14, 16 team zone. That's that's sort of where it's going to sit. None of these guys were must own options, and that's that's basically where we are with it. So thanks, Mike, for uh, listening to the podcast and uh, following following up on my advice. Let's go Boston and Memphis. Another overtime game. Isaiah Thomas with a career high. 44 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 7 triples, and 10 of 16 from the field, and all 17 of his free throws. He was ridiculous in this game. Avery Bradley was pretty good as well, a triple one with 16 points, while Al Horford missed a chance to win the game in regulation and ended with 17 and 14 on a not efficient night from Big Al. Jay Crowder was just what Jay Crowder is, I guess without the steals, 13 and 7. And uh, shockingly enough, their starting four or five, however you want to look at it, Amir Johnson, he was bad again. 5-3-2 and two in 24 minutes for Amir, but the man that I want to play the minutes, and that is Kelly Olenek, was good. He didn't shoot well, 2 of 7, but 10-3-1, three and one, 3 steals, 2 blocks, a triple. You know I love Olenek, but I just have, there's no, no way that I can rely upon him to get enough minutes to be a usable bloke moving forward, and that's, uh, that's a real pain, I guess, because I know that what he can do, and Brad Stevens is going to continue to restrict the minutes or limit the minutes of those guys. Speaking of li- minutes being limited, Marcus Smart played just the 22, went scoreless, had two rebounds, four assists, and a steal. I think what we've seen with everyone healthy, instead of getting the 30-31, he's down to like 27 and now even 22 here. It makes him a hard hard, hard guy to hold on to, so I would be, I would be looking to see who's around, and yeah, Marcus Smart for Tyler Johnson swap? Absolutely. Yeah, go and make those sort of moves. Um, yeah, you're not missing too much with Smart unless someone gets injured at this point. I thought he would be able to establish a 30-minute role, but that's not how Stevens is running things at the moment. For the Grizzlies, still no Chandler Parsons, but Jimmy Ennis, he moved into the starting lineup, replacing Troy Daniels. Only the 18 minutes for Ennis, 5-2. and two. He's going to be... I was going to say he'd be a solid guy to add, but he won't be because Parsons is going to be back any day now, and that is going to limit what Ennis can do. He's a 16-team league sort of player. Troy Daniels had been horrible for a big stretch of time, but played 35 minutes. He had 24 points, four triples, and in Troy, true Troy Daniels style, two rebounds, zero assists. He had two steals, so that's a bonus. He shot the ball well, but we know what he is. He is a fluky scoring guy that uh, it just it doesn't happen for him on a uh, on a nightly basis. Marcus Sol, 24, 7, and 6, great. Conley, great in the back, is clearly hurting him. 19, 5, and 8 with two steals, and Tone Allen played a whopping 38 minutes and went 10-8 and eight with a steal and a block. You can own Tone Allen. Tone Allen is a guy that I would I would consider grabbing him in place of, a, say, Marcus Smart at this point. 31 minutes for Jermichael Green, 7-12 and 12 for Green in 31 minutes. I think he's really struggling to be a 12-team league goal. Zebo got ejected late in the game, and it wasn't a good Zebo night. Owned in 74% of leagues, which is just ridiculous. He is no way he needs to be owned in that many leagues, surely that is a whole bunch of people who aren't paying attention or are drafting or owning based on name value alone. Portland and Sacramento, here is where the craziness was, well, some of the craziness. Mason Plumlee was massive uh, based on all this DeMarcus Cousins you know, WWE promo. Plumlee was good, 27 and 13, five assists, one steal and two blocks. He um, He got worried in the last game, but didn't get boogied in this game. And that's uh, not normally a, a good two-game matchup for uh, for big man, but Plumlee came through this one. CJ McCollum was also great. 36 points on 22 shots with four assists and two triples. Well, Dame Lillard, the facilitator, 24 points. Took him 20 shots, a big dint in your field goal percentage. 
but had 15 assists. That's a real bonus when you get that from Lillard. And he had a nice 11 of 12 from the line. There was no Evan Turner. There was no El Farouk Aminu. So they went with Myers Leonard as a starter. Um, he provided literally zero points. Mo Harkless had a double-double in just the 24 minutes, but he was limited by foul, so don't read too much into that. And then we had Alan Crabb. This is as Alan Crabby as it gets. 36 minutes for Crabb, 9 points, nothing else. There is nothing to like about Alan Crabb for your standard fantasy leagues. I just don't think he's a good fantasy player. The Kings are a confusing situation. Omri Caspi, Rudy Gay, both out again. So instead of starting Garrett Temple, who'd played well in the roles previously, he went back to the bench and Matty Barnes started. Played 19 minutes, Barnes, which is less than what he played in the other games, and struggled 2-4-4. Four, and four. Temple actually played less as well, which is a weird scenario. 24 minutes. Now, he was battling foul trouble, so there is a reason for it. 5-3-3 three, and three with Temple uh, with a steal and a block. Part of the reason why I did guard you against owning Temple is he is very, very up and down. Out of nowhere, Aaron Aflalo played 31 minutes. He's still bad, but he played 31 minutes. 11 points for Aflalo, while Ty Lawson outdueled Ben Ben Collison? That's not his name. Darren Collison. 29 minutes for Lawson, 16-3-8, while Collison's struggles continued, 10-3-3. I'm still believing in Collison, but it's been a really rough stretch for him. Anthony Tolliver played 34 minutes, again, out of the rotation to playing 34 minutes. Dave Yeager's still trying to get a handle on things, I guess. 11-4 with three triples for Tolliver, and when Gay and Caspi come back, he might not play at all. Same goes for Willie Cauley-Stein, who managed seven minutes in this one. Denver and the Clippers. Oh, man, I spoke so many, many positive things about Denver yesterday, and they came and just shit right in my mouth in this game. Gaz Harris struggled. 19 minutes for Gaza, three points. Wow, two rebounds, one assist, one steal. You would... Um, you would hope he'll be better than this, and he will be better than this moving forward. This was just a horrible, horrible start in a really not great matchup against the Clippers as well. Not to make Harris feel left out, Manny Moutier joined him. He missed all nine of his shots, 26 minutes for Moutier, five rebounds, one assist, and one steal. But in order for me to be positive, I'll look at it and say Moutier couldn't have been worse, but he still played 26 minutes. It wasn't a 21-minuter. It wasn't a 23-minuter. He still got 26. So I guess that's something of a positive. Wilson Chandler, not a good night there either. 13-4-3 and three on 13 shots. Jokic, foul trouble. Really limited him. Still had 9-6, and six, which is okay without being great. Had a block, had an assist, and played 21 minutes, but it limited him. Now, Ken Farid, he was, he was good. He was energetic. He had 15-11. and 11, But I'll throw the caveat out there again. He played center. Only center. He played when Jokic didn't. Their minutes, 21 minutes for Jokic, 27 minutes for Fareed, that equals 48 minutes. So they basically, he and we've seen that over the last four games. Jokic comes out, Fareed comes in. When the games where Jokic isn't in foul trouble, Fareed plays single digits. When Jokic is in foul trouble, he plays 20 minutes. There's no doubting Fareed's ability to grab rebounds. I just don't think that he's a great on-court player. And the way that they're using him here, I, I like Jokic and Fareed together. I think it's a good combination. They run things well together. Jokic finds him. They've got a good understanding. But that's not how Malone is running things currently. So that is somewhat of a concern if you're looking at Fareed. Look, you look at that and you look at three of his last four games and you go, shit, man, I've, I've got to grab him. But it's solely dependent in those four games on Jokic's status. And if Jokic has foul trouble, then Fareed doesn't play. And that's exactly how it's been. So let's see how that is moving forward. Farton Will Barton had 22-5-2 and two 
had two steals and two triples. And um, the whispers were out before the game that a couple of teams have inquired exploratory talks on trading for Barton. That was the Wizards and the Pelicans. Look, he would fit really nicely on the bench in Washington. He wouldn't be a 12-team league guy. If he heads to the Pelicans, what do they got? Eight, nine guards? Heald, Moore, Galloway, Holiday, Frazier. Someone else I'm surely missing. Um, good performance from him here. I still don't I still don't believe that Barden is a must-own player. I also saw some uh, some tweets come out after this performance from Barden saying, oh, yeah, it, they, he played like this because he was being showcased for a trade. Almost headbutted the computer. You know how much I hate that. But apparently that's a thing. Danilo Gallinari, 17-5 and five with four triples in 32 minutes. A decent night for him, but not much else happening for the Denver Nuggets. For the, uh, for the Clippers, this is the other situation. Who is going to replace Blake Griffin? Well, it turns out they went to Paul Pierce, which is... Uh, who knows why? 18 minutes for Pierce, 7 points. And then they spread the minutes around to their other reserves. 19 minutes to Fat Face Ray Felton. 22 minutes for Austin Rivers, who had 9.6 assists and 2 steals. And the hot pickup, which was something I did guard pretty heavily against, Mo Spates. 17 minutes for Spates. 10 points, 2 triples. 17 minutes? Okay. How many minutes did DeAndre Jordan play? Oh, he played 29. Oh, what, are that, what does that add up to? Actually, only 46. So again, he is a center. He is not being played as a power forward. He is not replacing Blake Griffin. Um, if you grabbed Spates in a 12-team league, ask Kerb. Get rid of him. If you picked up Rivers, I'd be inclined to hold. It wasn't a bad night from Rivers. You know, 9.6 assists, 2 steals is handy. And I think he can actually play a little bit more moving forward. Um, the other guy I'd look at is Brandon Bass, who had 8 points in 11 minutes. That's a deeper league guy, an 18-20-team league sort of guy. But he is going to get some extra run. But all in all... There's just nothing to see here. Now, it was a blowout, so no one played big minutes. And I think that if they did run some bigger minutes, you would see, obviously, more for Reddick, Paul, Jordan. You'd see, but you'd see more for Rivers rather than more for Spates and more, more for Pierce. So both of these injury opening situations, they yielded nothing. And that's sort of what we anticipated with you know, the guys. I still think that you know, I still think Rivers has the most value here, and he'd be the guy that I'd be looking at in a 12-teamer, but it's not high, and, and it's not most baits, I don't believe. Um, JJ Redick takes on a lot of Blake's usage when he is out, and he did it again. He had 27 points, but importantly, he led the team in shots, took 16 of them, hit seven triples, and this is going to be the, uh, the six weeks of Griffin's absence. It's going to be a lot more Redick usage. And again, he's just going to be more of a scorer, score more, hit more threes, doesn't do much in the other areas, but it takes him from being that 11th best guy to maybe the 10th or 9th best guy, because instead of scoring 13, 14 points, maybe he's at 15, 16 points, and that's a that's a big difference there. Chrissy Paul went 16, 8, and 15 in this one in his 26 minutes. The last game was a laugher, really. Not ideal for the Jazz. No Derek Favors, who was resting. Georgie Hill was out again. Rudy Gobert kept his double-double streak going. 11-16 and 16 for Gobert with two blocks. And then uh, we had the Rod Hood gastric distress incident. Not much else happening here. Gordy Haywood was poor. Dante Exum had six points in 26 minutes. Shelvin Mack only played 22. He struggled in a blowout. Joe Johnson and Joe Ingles, the only other two guys to get into double figures. It was four guys in double figures. Gobert, Ingles, Johnson, and Trey Lyles. But... Only if Hood has to miss more time would you look to grab a guy like Ingles, who had three triples, three assists, two steals to go with his 11 points. But really not a lot to write home about with the Jazz when they scored just 74 points. 
on the Warriors side. Equally, what do you say? Draymond had 15-11-4 with five steals. Great. Curry, 25-3-4 with three steals and four triples. Great. Durant, 22-5, 25 minutes only. Okay. Clay, 17-5 in 31 minutes. Okay. Three of the four of those guys shot over 50% from the field, and nobody else hit double digits. There's nothing else to say on this Warriors team. There's no sneaky 12-team league trending up, guys. It just is what it is, and it's going to be that. Like, like the Cavs most of the time, this is just what it is for most of the season. So I think we should prepare ourselves that that's what the Warriors are going to be like for the, uh, for the rest of this year. All right, that is Tuesday's craziness done. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to talk Wednesday with the eight games that are on offer there for DFS. All right, everybody. We're back. Let's talk perfect DFS on Fangel. Tyler Johnson at 48.5. Isaiah Thomas at 61.6. My boy Norm Powell snuck in there with 35.1. And JJ Redick had 35.6. Rondé had 34.7. LeBronald had 60.9. The power forwards, Aldridge, LaMarcus 38.5. Jabari Parker at 45.3. And Boogie at 75.1. A total of 435.3, and honestly, not a crazy night to get that line. The only one in, well, actually, Norm Powell is one that would have been tough to put in there, but when Patterson went out, he was an option, and Hollis Jefferson was a guy I did talk about yesterday, but didn't have the balls to throw in there, because I said, look, he's getting a point a minute, but I just don't think he's going to get enough minutes. So, you know, not not a complete write-off, although the power one's a little bit left fieldy. On DraftKings, Johnson, Tyler, 50.25, Redick at 39.25. Norm at 36.25. Boogie had 82.25. Whiteside went for 63.75. Isaiah Thomas, 65.75. Rondé went 35.5. And and Mason Plumlee at 57.75 for a total of 430.75 points. Let's get into the games now. We've got Milwaukee and Cleveland again, a back-to-back for these two teams, which has happened a lot this season. I'm not really sure why. Um, J.R. Smith, I don't expect him to play with this thumb. If they're thinking it's broken, then he's not playing. We don't know if Kevin Love will be back after missing today's game. And Beasley on the Milwaukee side, not that he has too much of an impact. Obviously, Love is the big one. If Love is out, it increases Kyrie and LeBron's usage, and J.R. out is going to put more, more minutes into DeAndre Liggins and Iman Shumpert. Let's talk point guards. Uh, Daly is at 3,900. He played a lot of minutes today, only gave him 17 points. So it wasn't overly uh, overly exciting in that respect. While Kyrie, again, the, ne- the matchup's a bit negative, but at 7,300, if Love happens to be out, I'd be okay with it. He had almost 40 today. But if Love is out, if Love is in, I don't think that Kyrie is necessarily a great option. It's, it's a little bit dependent that one, so uh, just, I guess, play it by ear. At shooting guard, Iman Shumpert is a minimum salary guy. He could get you 25. He, he could do that um, with a little bit of extra usage. DeAndre Liggins at minimum salary as well. I'm not really convinced that he's... Look, he'll play. I know I know he'll start if, uh, if Smith is out. I'm not sure he's going to be a great DFS option, though, but they're the guys that will take JR's minutes. Yanni is a uh, shooting guard on Fangio. He's at 10,200. He had a 52 today. Just Let's just lock him in for another 50. It's pretty much what he does on a regular basis. At small forward, speaking of 50 on a regular basis, LeBronald James, 10,200. He had 61 today, actually. Gets a usage bump, of course, if Love is out. But even if Love plays, I think you should feel relatively confident of getting around that 50-point mark for LeBron back, back at home here as well. At uh, power forward, 
Channing Fry had 22 today in Love's absence. He's a minimum salary guy. You would have to have a look at him if Love is out again. It is a nice matchup, but the minutes just aren't going to be all that high for Fry. He played 25 today in a solid performance, but obviously nothing to look at there if Love is in. For Jabari at 6,400, he smashed them today. I think that you look at Jabari and be fairly confident with using him or fairly confident of getting around 32, 33 points. I think that's sort of where he sits at the moment, really really playing quite well, averaging 37 over the last three games. As for Love at 8,700, it's a high price, but Milwaukee, not good against power forward stuff. Love is fine, ready to go. I think he's, he's okay to look at, probably more just a GPP guy in case the knee isn't quite right. At center, 4,800 for Tristan Thompson. Big men do well against Milwaukee. We've established that. He had 26 today. It's not great for a tournament, but for uh, for a cash game, it feels it feels just safe. Let's get my 25. Let's get my 30, maybe, you know, 27 maybe, out of Tristan and, uh, and be okay with that at 48. Johnny Henson at 4,600. He's up and down. He had 28 today in what was a fairly good game for him, but that's not, it's not massive. It's not stupendously big. It's still pretty good. Um, and, and I would consider him only in a GPP, whereas Greggy Munro, 4,900. I'll take the 300 less on the guy that I know is starting, despite kids' rotations being uh, somewhat wonky at times. Minnesota and Atlanta. No spread released for this one yet. I guess we're waiting on the status of Dwight Howard, who missed the last game. Let's talk point guards. I like Rick Rubio here. Point guards against Atlanta go well. He's had a 400 buck price drop on Fangio, down to 5,600. He's actually averaging 32 points over the last three, which would comfortably bring back value at 5,600. Now he gets a positive matchup. I think you should be looking at 30 for Rubio, and then it may be even going higher. So I do like him here. On the other side of the ball, or the other team, Den Schroeder has been on fire. He's now at $7,000. It makes him a little bit less appealing, but he did just drop a 45 against Oklahoma City. And Schroeder is averaging 36 over the last five. I'm less keen on him at this $7,000 price tag, but it's not horrific. The Bucks have been a little bit below average in defending point guards as well. And you know, Schroeder could take advantage of that. So he's far from a total write-off, but obviously not a complete lock either. Zachy Levine at shooting guard. I think that with Levine, he's going to get 34 every night. And at 6500 I'm, uh, I'm here for that. That's fine with me. He's got the ability to go for 40, and I don't think his floor is really that low. So I, I really like Levine, especially in cash games. Timmy Hardaway went back to 22 minutes in the last game. That makes him really tough to use at 4,100, while Kyle Korver started in place of Dwight. Didn't really give us much point-wise. 19 points at 3,700 is not horrible. It's okay, but when that's your upside... Well, no, that's not true. Maybe it's not his upside. His upside is probably about 26 which is fine, but I'm not really interested in using Kyle Korver in this matchup. Kent Bazemore had 31 in the last game. I'm more impressed that he played 40 minutes. 4,400, there's always a risk that he's terrible, but I think at 4,400, he's worth a look in a tournament. Tarbo had 25 himself in the last game. He's at 4,400 as well. He's a, a solid-ish play uh, he does have he does have some downside though, so he's not a lock for cash, but he is absolutely a tournament consideration as well. Whereas on the Wolves, we've got Wigo at six thousand four hundred. He had thirty seven the last game. He's averaging thirty eight across the last three. I think thirty points for Wiggins is what you should expect, and he can go above that pretty comfortably. So I'm okay with using Wiggins in both forms of the DFS game. Power forwards: Googie Jeng at fifty five hundred. 
not really doing anything spectacularly well at the moment. He does decently well against Atlanta in general. He's averaging you know, 25 over the last three. I think that you should be looking at Jeng as as a decent high-floor cash game guy without much upside. Paulie Millsap I like, though, at 8,100. Obviously, his value is a little bit inflated if Dwight is out. He had 45 in that game where he played at center. I think that Millsap can come out here and at least have 40 points and uh, and return that value to you. At center, Dwight, 8,000. If he back, no. Carl Anthony Towns at 9,000. That's a high price, obviously, but he is averaging 50 across the last three I don't feel all that confident in him in cash, but in tournaments, sure, because he can go for 60, he can go for 65 even at 9,000. So it's a fair use of that salary in that sort of a, in that sort of a situation. Next up, let's talk Memphis. They're taking on the Detroit Pistons. There is a lineup change coming for Detroit. We don't know what it is. I am assuming it is Johnny Lua for Marcus Morris, but it could be any of a number of different things. For um, for Memphis, I assume that Zach Randolph plays. I don't think he gets suspended for that flagrant two. And Chandler Parsons is the other one. But if Parsons plays, all it does is takes really tournament upside away from Troy Daniels. And we wouldn't want to be using Chandler anyway. Let's talk point guards. Reggie Jackson, is he a candidate to lose his starting job? You'd have to say yes. I don't think it's likely, but I would say yes. He's at 5,500. He is, if we hear that he's still starting, he is a, G- a GPP upside play. In his last three games against Memphis, he's averaging 37 points. He's clearly not that same guy yet, but that is not a high salary, especially with a $400 price drop. It is a nice pivoty type of guy. Mick Conley, 6,900 in pain, overtime game, back-to-back. I say forget it. Low, Likely a low total game as well. I just get the feeling that, that he and Orgasol might be subject to some minutes limits in this game. So that's that's somewhat of a concern. At 4,300, if Ish Smith gets the nod as the starter, at 4,300, you'd have to seriously consider using Ish. Um, you know, when he was starting, he was got priced 5,000, 5,200, definitely not at 43. So he would be an interesting guy to look at there. Shooting guards, KCP is at 5,500. I don't, I don't, the matchup is, is a forget it to me, so no thanks. Tone Allen at 5,300 has been solid. Upside hasn't been all that high, but he's a he's an okay cash play, but really not not a high priority sort of guy. Marcus Morris at 44, he's averaging nine points over the last three. He's at 4,400, so it's a fair dip in his salary, but I think you're going to see him patrolling the bench this game. Jimmy Ennis, Vince Carter, Chandler Pass, and Stan Johnson. I don't think any of those guys are really worth the look. Power forwards, Johnny Lua at 4,800. I think you go with him, and then if he starts, it's a bonus. At 4,800, he has been really fantastic this year. He's averaging 29 over the last three. You should feel fairly confident about getting 25 out of John, and the upside is there for 30 points. Toby Harris has also been struggling. He's at 5,400. Normally, I'd say this is time for a big Toby game, but not in a negative matchup against Memphis. So I think he's a fade. Zebo and Jermichael Green are not guys that I'm really interested in in their 5,000-plus price range. At center, Andre Drummond. The Marcus Soul factor is an issue here, so 7,400 for Drummond can be spent in other areas, although he has done well against Memphis in the past. I'm just not interested except in a tournament, whereas Gasol at 8,100, as I just touched on, I think that there is some uh, some risk of maybe a soft minutes limit. Instead of going all out and playing 37, he plays 27. And that's, uh, you just, just watch. I think we're going to see something, maybe a surprise rest for Conley or Gasol. 
something could happen here with Memphis tomorrow that completely throws DFS stuff for somewhat of a uh, for somewhat of a loop. But now you're prepared because you've heard me speculate. Washington and Chicago, the Bulls are favored by four, and the total is 207 points in this game. Let's talk point guards. Rajon Rondo had 43 in the last game. He's at $6,000. How does the John Wall matchup suit? Yeah, it doesn't. So you can. Uh, I'm pretty confident of saying I'll leave Rondo alone in my matchups. As for Johnny Wall, he gets the Rajon Rondo defensive walls treatment, 9,700 for, for John. The production has been a little bit off, especially just the 40 points in the last game. I say just the 40 points, but at 9,700, you want pushing 50 most games. I think that Wall is is a decent play at that price point to get you around 45, which is not bad at 9,700. Trey Burke, yeah, don't, don't, why did I even mention that? Shooting guard, 7,200 for Brattles, um, too high. Yeah, look, it's he's been close to it. Some nights, it, it's just I just feel it's too high to spend on Bradley Beal. Dwayne Wade at 7,000. Oh, I'm thinking that's in the too high category as well. The Wizards have been very good against shooting guards this year. That's the position Wade plays. So at 7,000, I think it is. Um, I think he's a, a guy to avoid. Small old shooting guards, Satoransky, Valentine, Thornton. Nah. Small forwards, Otto Porter was back in business with 35 in the last game. He's at 5,700. The Bulls allow wings to put up some numbers. So Porter, if he gets the shots, then we know that something good is going to happen usually. I'm okay with him at 5,700. Jim at 84 has been a little bit disappointing in the last couple of games. The Porter matchup's not a great one, but I actually buy into him here. I think you should be looking at 40-plus from Butler and really approaching 45. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I can't even say my words. I'm, uh, I'm all for using Jim here. Kelly Oubre struggled in his return from concussion. At $4,000, you could absolutely take a punt on Kelly Oubre and hope that he gets 26, 27 and, and drops 25 points. He can actually do that, but it's strictly a GPP situation only. At power forward, Mark Heath, it had a bit of a stinker, only the 17 points, but at 5,300, it didn't completely kill you. And now he takes on the Bulls, where where if you're a big man, the points come your way in a pretty easy way. So 5,300 for Markeith, I'm on him, it feels like, all the time. I always feel like he's underpriced, and I'm back aboard Markeith again. Taj Gibson at 5,100, he's just constantly coming in undervalue, so that's no for me. And Nick Miritich at 42, had a nice game in the last one, but how how is his path to get 26 minutes. It's not there, unfortunately. So, sorry, Nick. It's a pass from me. At center, this is where we've got something happening. 4,900 for Robin Lopez. Has been a little bit underwhelming, but I do think that he can at least exceed 25 here. So, like him. And if you want to go deep cut, it's probably better on some of the other sides. But Chris Felicio at 3,600. He had 21 points in 22 minutes in the last game. He's averaging 21 minutes over the last... 21 minutes over the last three games, only 15 points there. But at 3,600, if he gives you 22 points, 23 points, it's not bad. I probably wouldn't recommend it in a lot of cases, maybe just a GPP situation. But he is uh, a very low ownership sort of guy. Yan Mihinmi, we heard the news today that he'll be out another six weeks with his knee injury. He has played one game this season, so the marching Gortat 40-minute roll continues through to the start of February, most likely. So... Keep going with your Gortats. Yeah, my sell-high idea would have worked brilliantly if Mahimi had have actually come back on schedule. 63 minutes for Gortat. No, all close. 6,300 for Gortat. 
He's averaging 40 minutes across the last three at 31 points. The Bulls' um, front court matchup does give me some hope. The extra minutes give me some hope. I don't know if he's necessarily a cash play, but I do think that Gortat does have some tournament appeal. I probably personally won't use him, but I do think that there is uh, there's something to like with him in this in this matchup in particular, and with that Mahin Minus. OKC and New Orleans, the Thunder are favoured by one and a half points. Two hundred nine and a half is the total here. We've got um, Tyreek should be back from his rest. We've got no Vic Oladipo on the Thunder side as well. So let's talk point guards. Russ is at 12,500. I feel like you can just lock Russ in for 60. A positive matchup, uh, an animal of a human. You should be looking at 60 for Russ. Love using him in this spot. Now, Samaje Kristen gets a bump because Vic is out. He does nothing with that bump, so ignore him. And Drew Holiday at 7,200. He's averaging 35 the last three times against New Orleans. And at 7,200, I think you'd be okay with that. I think he's you're you're hoping for a 35-pointer here, but I don't think that I will look at it exclusively in cash. I think it's more a tournament setup, but it's, it's far from a, a write-off. Shooting guard position is somewhat of a write-off. 3,500 for Anthony Morrow, hard pass. 38 for Bud Heald, yeah, somewhat of a pass. He did well against Oklahoma in Oklahoma. How will he go when they travel to the Smoothie King Center? Will it make a difference? Probably not. Etwan Moore got hot today, but that still resulted in just 18 points. And at 3,700, I when we Tyreek back, no thanks. Won't be using Tyreek. Won't be using Galloway, who didn't even play today, or Alex Abrinia. So yeah, small, shooting guard, not ideal. Small forward, equally not ideal to me. Jeremy Grant is minimum salary. He had 18 in the last game, but he still does not move the needle for me whatsoever. Whereas Andre Robertson at 3,800, we know he's getting minutes, but he had 40 minutes in the last game, and that gave you 20 points. It's just, he just doesn't do enough. And I'll, I, there's other directions I would rather go at small forward. But they're not in this game because my other options are Solomon Hill, Dante Cunningham, and Kyle Singler. At power for Tony Davis down 300 bucks to 11,200 now. I think that he had 56 today after a really slow start. He's he's absolutely fine to use. You know, get your 50 out of him, 55 even, and be pretty happy about it. Terrence Jones is up and down. He had a nice game today. But at 4,700, you surely can only use him in uh, tournaments. And even then... Probably not. Ennis Cantor at 49. There is absolutely no way you can rely upon Ennis Cantor. It is a positive matchup for him, but if they go small, what are they going to? Like, how's he going to go with Anthony Davis? The the answer is probably going to be not well. So not not a good uh, not a good spot for Ennis. I don't believe. At center, Steve Adams 5200. I just don't think there's any upside really with Adams there. I think that he's decent for cash. The matchup's okay. It just doesn't get me excited. I think that there's you can make an argument for using him and being okay in cash at a 5,200 center for Steve Adams. Get your 25, lock it away, and, and go on from there. Alexia inside. well, who knows what we're going to get with him on a night-to-night basis. So, yeah, but he's more of a guide punt with if Davis happened to be out. And at this point, we don't think that Davis is out. There's no reason for us to think that Davis is out. Sacramento. And Utah, no spread currently released for this one. A couple of injury situations we need to look at here, of course. We've got uh, Rod Hood with his gastric distress. We assume uh, Derek Favors will be back in business with his um, whatever happened to... Oh, no, Derek Favors with his knee. And in Sacramento, we've got Rudy Gay in his hip and Omri Caspi with his illness. Now, Caspi had some blood tests for this illness. I don't think it's anything too serious, but it's obviously knocked it out of him a little bit. So... I think we're going to see Gay back for this one. I don't think we're going to see Caspi back at this point. We know that George Hill is out, so Shelvin Mack 
at 4,200. He is worth a punt against the Sacramento backcourt. Didn't have a great one today, but but obviously can be much better than that. Ty Lawson at 3,800. Well, you'd absolutely have to take a punt on him at this point. He had 34 points today. Only looking at tournament, I wouldn't look in cash, but the last two games he's outplayed Darren Collison, so it makes it interesting. Won't be looking at Collison whatsoever, and Dante Exum doesn't matter if he starts or not. He's averaging seven points a game over the last three. Rod Hood at 5,200. If Hood is fine to go, I would look at him in a GPP. I don't think his ownership would be high. His numbers haven't been great, as we touched on earlier, averaging just 14 over the last three and 16 over the last five. But I do think that he's a 25-point candidate here if he is ready to go. For the Kings, Garrett Temple. Look, if Gay is back, there's no chance I would use Temple. If they run with the same starting lineup and give him 24 minutes, I wouldn't use Temple either. He's going to need 34, 35 minutes for him really to be considered as a DFS option. Small forwards, Gordy Hayward at 79. He should get a much easier matchup than Kevin Durant. Yeah, the matchup is positive. I think we see a bounce back Gordy night and, and a number that approaches 40. So he's a decent play at the small forward position. Rudy Gay, I won't use him first game back. Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, they come into play really only if Hood is out. Matty Barnes, starting or not, it's just not happening for him at the moment. Power forward Omri Caspi at 41. In the unlikely scenario that he plays and Rudy doesn't, you would consider him, but I wouldn't do it with great exposure. Trey Lyles, Boris Dia, they can't get it done when Favors is out, so they're not going to get it done while Favors is in. And of course, we won't be using Favors. Uh, Anthony Tolliver, the minutes have been good, but with with at least Gay back, most likely, I don't think we're going to see much out of uh, out of Tolliver. Rudy Gobert, 7,800. He just continues to produce, but not to me at a 30, at a 7,800 level. So in the matchup against Cousins, I'm not a fan. Now, last time these two teams played, Cousins got Gobert. Will Cousins have a chip on his shoulder? Yes, of course. We know who he is. Like He takes everything personally. So at 10,800, Cousins is a tough cash own, but in a tournament, I think that you can absolutely look at him and him going to go out because Rudy Gobert spouting his mouth on the best center in the NBA. Do you reckon Cousins doesn't hear that and think, who's? I want to hear the post-game interview if Cousins goes and drops a big one again because he's going to be like, who does this guy think he is? He thinks he's the best center. Like, Come at the champ. That's, that's going to be his attitude. So he could fall completely on his face and he could get ejected in five minutes. But we could have a monster from, from Boogie coming here. So... Absolutely, he is worth a tournament look at that uh, 10800 price point with uh, likely Gay or Caspi coming back. Costa Kufos's value, it already created today at one point, um, but it, it is uh, not even worth considering, despite that little strong stretch that he had not long ago. The next game, Houston and the Phoenix Suns. We've got the Rockets favored by five and a half and a massive, massive total of 223 points here. Let's talk... Uh, point guards first, of course, Pat Bev, 5,600, a little bit of a down night for him with only 20 against the Spurs, but the matchup of the Spurs versus the matchup of Phoenix is a completely different story. So Beverly in play, not a high priority guy, but in play. Um, Eric Bledsoe with Beverly on him, forget it, not not interested in the slightest. He did have 38 in the last game and he has done really well against Houston in the past. I just I just don't think it's a, a smart investment. I think it's a, a pivot punt tournament GPP guy, but that's really about it, I think, with uh, with Bledsoe. Shooting guards, Devin Booker, which which one are we going to get? The one that hits shots or the one that doesn't? At 5,900, 
I think that he is absolutely worth a look. In uh, in cash, I would be less certain, but in a tournament, I think well, we know he's got 40, even 45 point upside, and that's going to work out real nice at 5,900. Jimmy Harden at 12,000. Devin Booker can't handle him. That's that's pretty clear. They'll put PJ Tucker Tucker on him though, but can PJ Tucker handle him? Not enough to dissuade me from uh, from using him at twelve thousand dollars. I think that Harden is. There's a lot of high price guys that are in play, and Harden is uh, is definitely one of those. Eric Gordon, a little bit of a quiet night today. He's at fifty seven hundred. I think you can look at him as something of a bounce back player. So he's decent without being fantastic. Brandon Knight is at 4,700. I like Knight in a let's just take a flyer on a guy who's at 4,700 who could blow up and have 11 or could blow up in the good way and have 40. So that's why I would look at Knight as a tournament option on FanDuel. There's not a lot in the cheap uh, shooting guard zone that I'm really interested in over the slate, but if you're looking for a tournament upside guy, Knight has uh, that going for him. Small forwards, PJ Tucker. We don't know what they're doing with TJ Warren in his minutes yet. So Tucker at 4,200 has done well against Houston in the past. Um, you Again, you could look at him and think he's going to give you five points or he could give me 30 points. So there's definite GPP play with Tucker there. While Trevor Ariza at 57 just feels solid. I think he feels cashy. I think he feels tournamenty as well. I think you can use him in both formats and feel pretty confident of getting your know, high 20s for Ariza. Sammy Decker had 22 in the first game without Clint Capella. Uh, 3,700. Sure, he is worth a flyer as well if they continue to run that same sort of rotation. He did that against the Spurs. The Suns, a little bit of a different story. At Power Forward, Montrez Harrell, let's see what happens. He's still minimum salary. Uh, well, not still, because they preemptively rose his price, and now it's back down to minimum. At 3,500, if he gets 20-plus minutes, which he did today, then you could get 20 points out of him. So I think that he is he is definitely worth a look, but with, uh, with low confidence. Ryan Anderson at 5,100. Tournaments only, that's really the only situation, unless you play Sacramento, tournaments only for Rhino. Alex Len, no thanks. Center, Nene. Nene had 22 today. He's a minimum salary guy, so absolutely you can take a look at him and um, and hope that, because you know, he is a decent stat producer. The minutes just won't be there, so the upside is really limited to me. Tyson Chandler at 55. I hate that price for Tyson Chandler, so that is a pretty strong pass at that salary. Let's talk Dallas. They take on Portland in the last game of the night. Dirk has been upgraded to questionable. Now, Dirk is going to come back on a pretty severe minutes limit, I would think. Um, Look, if you've got a spare spot on a 12-team roster for standard leagues, go and grab him. You're not going to be using him here for DFS, though. On Portland side of things, Al Farouk Aminu and Evan Turner are the two guys that we need to check out. Dame Lillard at point guard, 9,600, had 51 today. The Dallas matchup is horrific for point guards. We know that Lillard is an up-and-down sort of player. I will leave Lillard alone in a tournament, sure, but I don't even think that that's a great option, whereas Darren Williams at 6,300 has been okay, but I don't think he's been $6,300 worth of okay. JJ Barea, I imagine another minutes limit for him, so at 5,600, that is just priced too high. Shooting guard, CJ dropped 44 today. He's at 7,100. I don't really fancy his chances of repeating that, so not interested. Wes Matthews at 53, too high. Alan Crabb, no. Seth Curry at 43. He's been all right. I just don't think there's a huge amount of interest in in him. Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, both small forwards for the Blazers, both under $5,000. I would take Harkless and feel... Fairly okay with using Mo. He had 29 points in his foul-shortened 
24 minutes today. I'm much happier using Harkless at the extra $300 there. Whereas the pencil for the Mavericks, it's a positive matchup for Harrison Barnes. I think he should be fairly okay with getting 30 out of Barnes. But if Dirk plays, I might just I might just ease off uh, Harrison. Dorian Finney-Smith loses a ton of value if Dirk plays as well. At power forward, Dwighty Powell had a big game. Chalk that up to fluke, so no thanks. And Myers Leonard, that wasn't a fluke. He had five points. Uh, Al Farouk and Dirk, if they both play, I don't think we're going to be using them anyway. Mason Plumley, fresh off a 55-pointer against Boogie. Now, centers against Dallas, they do get restricted in general to, to a degree, but I don't think that he is a, a fade here at all. I think that he's done decently well against Dallas in the past. We don't have Bogut. I think that yeah, Plumley could be a real problem here for the Mavericks. I like him at 6,100. As for Salah Mejri, if he can keep out of foul trouble, then you can get some decent production out of him at 3,600 as a starting center who could block three or four shots. He's in play, but I don't, I'm don't. i not fully uh, fully in love with it here. All right, that is it for today's podcast, guys. Let's talk picks of the day, though, before we leave. On FanDuel, we've got Shelvin Mack as a punty sort of guy, 4,200. Rick Rubio, 56, and Russ at 12,5. Shooting guard, Brandon Knight, 47, punty. Zach Levine, 65, and Yanni at 10,200. For the small forwards, Kent Bazemore, 44, Gordy Hayward, 79, and Jimmy Butler, 84. For the power forwards, Montrez Harrell, 35, Gorgie Jeng, 55, and Paul Millsap, 8,100. For the centers, Robin Lopez, 49, Mason Plumley 61, and Carl Anthony Towns, 9,000. On DraftKings, Matthew Dellavedova, 38, Rick Rubio, 58, and Russ at 12, 6. Shooting guards, Tony Snell at 33, Rod Hood at 54, assuming he is right to go. I do like him on DraftKings there as a bit of a tournament guy. And Jim Butler at 85. Small forwards, PJ Tucker, 39, Gordy Haywood, 76, and LeBronald at 9,800. And the power forwards, Johnny Lua, 46, Gorgie Jeng, 56, and Boogie at 9,900. And the centers, Chris Felicio, minimum salary, 3,000. Mason Plumley 55, and Towns is at 8,700. For the Aussies here, Moneyball, Shelvin Mack, 39, Rubio, 5, and Westbrook, 11, 8. Shooting guard, Tone Allen, 45, Devin Booker, 53, and Jimmy Harden, 11,000. Small forward, Kent Bazemore, 4,000. Gordy Haywood, 7, and Yanni, 10. Power forwards, Harrell at 35, Markeith Morris, 5,000, and Davis, Anthony, 11,000. At center, Tyson Chandler at 46, a much more appealing price. Mason Plumley, 6,000, and Towns at 87. On draft, Stars. Garrett Temple, 5-3-5-0. Pat Bev, 9-2. And Westbrook, 22-7. Shooting guards, Tarbo, 6-5-5-0. Eric Gordon at 91. And Jimmy Harden, 2-1-7-5-0. The small forward, Sammy Decker, minimum salary, 5,000. Trevor Ariza, 9-4-5-0. And Yanni at 18-3-5-0. The power forwards, Montrez Harrell, 59. John Lua, 8-4-5-0. And Tony Davis, 9,000. And centers, Chris Felicio, minimum 5,000. Rudy Gobert, 12-3-5-0, and Townsie at 17-3-5-0. We're done today, guys. Soak it all in. Try and work out what the hell was going on in all of the NBA action today. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore bball. Subscribe, leave a review. It's fantastic when you do this. So thank you to everyone who has done that recently. And uh, if you get a chance, go on there. Five minutes, it's awesome. If you can help me out in that way. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
Macho Man, DeMarcus Cousins.